up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Tuesday, September 13th, the first waiver run of the year. Real deal. I know we did waivers last week, but whoopity-doo on that. And so we're going to dive into it for you today. Before we get to anything, though, I just want to do some housekeeping. So you may have noticed this podcast is not appearing as frequently as it did last year. In fact, I know a lot of people have noticed because you've reached out on social media. So a couple things. First and foremost, hey, times change. And uh, in this past year, I've uh, moved into a higher position uh, behind the scenes over at FTN. Uh, I'm now the president of the company. That that requires a lot of time. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Doing a two-hour radio show five days a week requires a lot of time. And then I also do now handle the FTN Fantasy Football Podcast for two shows a week. So unfortunately, I mean, I'm stretched as thin as I can. And I want to keep this thing going. And who knows what will happen in the future. But for the time being, this show is going to be waivers each week. I know you want more. But the good news is... All you have to do is subscribe to the FTN Fantasy Football Podcast. Go do it right now. Pause, go do it, and then you'll get Wednesdays where I will do rankings and Fridays where I'll do matchups. So it'll still be three podcasts a week. You just kind of have to split it across two podcasts. Uh, I Again, I wish I could do more. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm maxed out, all right? But I'm giving you as much as I can give you here. So this show will only be on Tuesdays during the season FTN Fantasy Football Podcast, which is basically this show with a different intro. <laughs> it's it's pretty much the same show, but different music. The music's still pretty good. So just wanted to get that out of the way first and foremost before we went any further here. All right, so this week is a hefty week on waivers. And before we dive into waivers, a couple pieces of advice. First and foremost, if you don't have a drop to make, don't make a drop. This is one of the main reasons why... Leagues that have fewer bench spots drive me nuts. They limit the skill of the players because players who have done a good job, who have drafted well or perhaps worked waivers well, have no players to drop. And then the crappy teams who, even with four bench spots, still have managed to destroy their rosters can go out and then pick up players. That, it increases luck. So really, if you're in one of those leagues, even if you're in a six bench spot league, which is reasonable, I don't have any issue with six bench spots. I prefer one bench spot for every skill position player, but six is fine. Usually you have about eight skill position players in most common leagues now. Six is fine. It's maybe a little light, but that's fine. Four is just way too light. But you may not have anybody to drop, so you can't really make a move. Don't force the issue. You don't have to make a drop ad just because it's a waivers run. The second thing is that your money now will have, it has its most value that it will if you're in a fab league, an auction league, that will the entire season. Think about it like this. If you picked up a player now, in theory, you will get them for 15 more weeks. Not 15, you know, there's a bye week in there. So 15 more weeks of production out of them. I realize there's still 16 weeks until the fantasy championship, but 15 weeks of production. Say you spent 30 bucks on that player. That player now costs you $2 a week. Two bucks a week, pretty good, right? Let's say you pick them up in the final week of the season for $30. You paid $30 a week for them, right? Your your money doesn't go as far. So use that power. Like try and, you know, try and identify if there's going to be some people out there. And there may be one or two guys here on this list who possibly can contribute for the entire season. You get a you get a, a more bang for your buck at this point of the year. 
Uh, so every week on the show, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to run through waiver rankings really quickly. This week, there are 50 players ranked. If you want the entire list as you go through your waiver wire pickups for tonight, go to ftnfantasy.com, promo code RADPAC, gets you 20% off. I will also give you some what I'm calling hard pass players. These are guys who could be picked up on waivers that I don't like, so I'm not picking them up. You can, you do you, dog, but I'm not going to pick them up. Then uh, guys who I'm holding, guys who I'm cutting, and defenses to stream. There are a lot of players to get through, so we're going to dive into this, and I'll try and keep this as short as possible because I know you don't have all night to listen to me blab on and on. Jeff Wilson Jr. tops the list. I'm going 30% on him in fab. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to miss eight weeks, so that's two months other, other, otherwise known as, and that's going to put us into the stretch run of the fantasy season. Wilson figures to step right in and and really just assume those duties in a very potent run game. Daryl Henderson Jr., 20%. I'm not quite sold on him being the feature back like we saw in week one. Things can still change here in Cam Akers' favor, but I'm going 20% on Henderson. Uh, he's still fairly widely available. Now, not on Yahoo, but yes on ESPN. So just check your league. I'm going to cast a wide net on this show, so if you're like, well, bro, I wish I was in a league. Don't be that guy, first and foremost. Don't be the, I wish I was in a league where he was available. Don't be that guy. And then secondly, yeah, I cast a wide net, so we'll get to players who are going to be available in your league, sir or madam, I I assure you. Jarvis Landry, I'm going 15% on him. Actually really impressed with how the passing game looked as a whole for New Orleans. Very, very encouraging sign. Top 100 yards. He's a 1-1A one one situation with Michael Thomas. Julio Jones, 15%. Uh, looks like Chris Godwin's going to miss a little bit of time. Not major time, but still. Julio looked fine. 22 routes run. 23 from Mike Evans. So he was right there with Evans. Caught that nice 40, what was it, a 48-yarder down the sideline. 69 nice yards for him in the game. Uh, so like Julio Jones. Up next, believe it or not, Curtis Samuel. I'm going 12% on Curtis Samuel. By the way, these are recommendations in a neutral setting. Like, if your league spends more money than usual leagues, then you're going to have to up these numbers. If, you're mu- if your league doesn't spend a lot of money, you're going to have to reduce them. But why Curtis Samuel here? He had 11 targets in this game. And Carson Wentz was looking his way constantly, which suggests he could potentially be the top target. I know we assumed it was Terry McLaurin. And maybe it still will be, but I want to take a shot on a guy who had 11 targets in week one, and I'm willing to go, you know, it's like 10 to 12%. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, uh, 8%. Miles Sanders is the lead back, but Gainwell can have independent value. In fact, the next three players all have this. So it's Gainwell, it's Jamal Williams, and Khalil Herbert. 8% on all of them. Uh, We saw touchdowns out of all of them. In fact, Jamal Williams had two touchdowns. He's not going to be a vulture, per se, because like anybody out there, I had some guy who was saying, oh, I'm I'm really upset about DeAndre Swift. I'm like, bro, DeAndre Swift was awesome. (laughs) Like, you don't need all the points. You you can get a lot of points and be just fine. So all three of them, uh, you know, Swift obviously has handcuff value. So does Khalil Herbert. Herbert got in the end zone. Actually, looked maybe a little bit more spry than David Montgomery, even though Montgomery was the clear lead back. So all those guys could have independent value. DJ Chark, 8%, uh, five catches on eight targets, 52 yards and a score. He was used. He ran uh, as many routes as Amon Ross St. Brown in the game as well. Russell Gage, 7%. I do prefer Julio Jones, not Gage, but Gage will get some run with Godwin sidelined. You would expect Evans and Jones on the perimeter for the most part and then Gage in the slot. But, um, you know, 
there's meat on the bone in that passing game where Tom Brady could throw the ball 700 times again. First quarterback on the list is not Carson Wentz. Now, this is a long-term pickup. Like, if you're a Dak Prescott uh, manager, bare minimum, Prescott's going to be out four weeks. So you're going to need to fill his shoes for at least that period of time. Uh, I'll talk about whether we drop him or not coming up. Uh, I, I I think it's Justin Fields is the top ad. I, I thought actually Fields looked pretty good in that contest. You know, given the circumstances, it, it was obviously an ugly game from a weather standpoint. But he performed well, and we know there's a high ceiling with him, so I'm willing to go 7%. Now, obviously, if like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, guys like that who are over 70% owned, and this is across any of the positions, they would be above these recommendations. So, yes, I would pick up Derek Carr first, but if assuming they're not rostered in your league, then it's it's Justin Fields. Uh, at number 12, Robbie Anderson, going 5%. Baker Mayfield seemed to like him. I mean, he had... Uh, eight targets, caught five for 102, and a score in the contest. Jahan Dotson, 5%. He had the two scores, but he didn't even have half as many targets as Curtis Samuel. He had five targets in the game, so let's just be careful with the optimism. He should be on benches, though. Josh Palmer, 5%. Looks like he could have an uptick in targets here on Thursday night. Keenan Allen looking very iffy to go in that one, Uh, but it doesn't seem like a long-term injury. How about this? 15, Kyle Phillips, 5%. The rookie was awesome in week one. I was so happy to see this. Nine targets, caught six for 66. The number of the beast. And I was fired up about that. He's going to be heavily used. Only Robert Woods had more routes run than him among the wideouts on the Titans. So good spot there for Kyle Phillips. Raheem Mostert, 5%. Chase Edmonds is the lead back, but Mostert, he did enough. He's kind of like the like slightly light version of that trio I just mentioned of Kenny Gainwell, Jamal Williams, and Khalil Herbert, where he could have some independent value and certainly has a lot of value implied if Edmonds goes down. McCole Hardman, 17 going 5% on him, ran 18 more routes than Sky Moore. That's important, and he's the clear number three wideout for the Chiefs. Hayden Hurst, Gerald Everett, 18 and 19. Those are my top two tight end ads. I'm not really interested in Tyler Higby. I get why you might be. Go for it if you want to. I'm basing this on play. I thought Hayden Hurst looked pretty darn good, and I thought Gerald Everett looked explosive AF. So that's why I have those guys as my top, and I'm not really interested in Tyler Higby. I probably, maybe I've been burnt by the Tyler Higby, but, you know, I don't hold grudges. I don't hold grudges. So, you know, if you want to do it, go for it. I suspect those targets are not going to remain stable, and some of them are going to shift over Allen Robinson's way uh, as well. Whereas Hayden Hurst, I mean, he's not going to see massive volume with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase on the field, and we'll see if Higgins can get through the concussion protocol. But regardless, um, I thought he looked pretty solid, and that team is one at a tight end. And uh, then Gerald Everett as well. Uh, Really explosive. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 5%, led the Browns with 11 targets. Ran one more route than Amari Cooper. I don't think this sticks through the whole season, but he should be on rosters. Jalen Warren, 21, 5%. If you are a Najee Harris uh, manager, it's pretty apparent that Najee Harris could get banged up because it's already happened twice so far uh, this, I, I guess, year, whatever you want to call it, because he was injured in the preseason, and now here he was injured again. Now, he says he's going to play this week, but it's just a friendly reminder handcuff him and Warren is the cuff Carson Wentz 3% 313 of four scores now it was against the Jags but it was an encouraging start and he finished his quarterback 15 last year 
Evan Ingram, 23, uh, 3% on him, caught all of his targets for 28 yards. Doesn't have that massive ceiling, but actually maybe looks like he has a decent floor, surprisingly enough. Zach Moss, 3%. He's he's decidedly the number two in that pecking order in that backfield, but one injury away from a larger role, and he should continue to be involved in the passing game, which is pretty interesting there. Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Back-to-back at 3%, 25, and 26. Watson missed a surefire touchdown. Okay, but he was on the field for as many routes as uh, Sammy Watkins, which tied for the team high, which is good. And then Dubs actually led the team in targets. I just think both of these guys are going to smooth it out as the season goes on. They're they're rookies playing with Aaron Rodgers and barely have played with him because the dude didn't show up in the offseason. I digress. Anyway, Zay Jones, 27. Uh, he ran as many routes as Christian Kirk, saw nine targets. I don't know if we're going to see consistency on the target front. And Christian Kirk is decidedly the number one wideout for the team. But still, like Zay Jones, he'll be productive through the course of the season. I, I think we're getting to like deeper wideout territory, though, because the next guy up is DeAndre Carter, 3%. This is only like a little bit of a Band-Aid if Keenan Allen does miss anything more than one game. Dontrell Hilliard, 3%. People are going to look at the fantasy lines and fall in love with the, the box score here. The reality is he's the pass-catching back for this roster, and pass-catching backs can be very volatile week over week. One week, you could score two touchdowns. The next week, you have one catch for 12 yards or even one catch for eight yards or whatever. So just be careful with Hilliard. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, 3%. They actually did use him. um, I I thought it was pretty interesting how they used him in the game. He ran more routes than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And unlike Pacheco, who I'll talk about in a minute, most of Pacheco's work came in garbage time. McKinnon was out there earlier. Eno Benjamin, 2%. He is uh, the clear number two in that backfield. Uh, He played 22 snaps. We saw no snaps for Daryl Williams. Jameis Winston, 32. I actually thought he looked pretty good. Solid but unspectacular, which is actually a pleasant surprise for Jameis Winston. Looks like he'll be a quarterback two option most of the season. Trevor Lawrence at 33, 2%. There were things I liked about his performance in week one. There were things I didn't like, but I do think we're pointing in the right right direction compared to where we were last year. Now, the granted, the bar was so darn low last year. Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, 2%. The stat line looks way better than the performance actually was because it was largely in garbage time, but he should be on rosters. He's one Clyde Edwards-Alaire injury away from being in a pretty prime spot. Uh, then uh, Ty Davis-Price... And Jordan Mason, 35-36. I do prefer Ty Davis-Price. I realize he was not active. But you know why he wasn't active? If you don't play special teams and you're like a backup running back, you're not going to be active. You know who does play special teams? Jordan Mason. Therefore, he was active. I think the way this works out is Jeff Wilson settles into Elijah Mitchell's uh, role. And then Ty Davis-Price settles into Jeff Wilson's role, and Jordan Mason just stays in his role. But I do think they're both worthy of being rostered in case I'm wrong. So I'm going to go after Ty Davis-Price first, though. Only 1% on both of these guys, because really, I mean, Ty Davis-Price now moves into essentially a handcuff role. The nice thing, though, is, or I don't know, maybe it's not nice if you're a 49ers fan, 49ers backs seem to get hurt. Kylan Granson, 1%. I did not think I'd be talking about him, but he actually ran nine more routes than Mo Alley-Cox, seven targets. He's a deep league ad at tight end. Corey Davis, 1%. And yeah, we've been here before, but Flacco liked him. Nine targets, so there's that. Uh, Richie James, 1%. If you didn't know, Richie James plays for the Giants. And if you didn't know, the Giants wide receivers 
that is a complete mess right now. And I'd only do this in deep leagues. Uh, Matt Ryan, 1%. I mean, you know, the problem with Matt Ryan is he's not going to throw for a lot of touchdowns. But the nice thing about Matt Ryan is he's probably going to throw for a lot of yards. He threw for 352. That was second highest in the week, but only one passing score. Marcus Mariota, 1%. Nothing with his arm. But you know what he did do? He finally started running. And he looked good. 12 carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown for Mariota. That's a decent floor, as long as he keeps the job, and that's the one. Uh, that's the one drawback there. We don't know when they're going to pull the trigger or pull the pull the ripcord on that one. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, one percent boring QB two, but boring can sometimes be okay if you're in a deeper league and you need help. Tyler Algier, one percent. I realize he did not uh, dress for this game, and same same thing I just mentioned with Ty Davis Price. Doesn't play special teams. All right, he's not going to be out there. Avery Williams plays special teams. Guess what? He's going to be out there. Now, uh, with Damian Williams being banged up, there is a chance we could see Algier active. And they, I don't, I really don't think they want Cordero Patterson to have 22 carries in a game, but that's just me. So I'm going to pick him up as people are dropping him. Brian Robinson, 1%. Just going to tuck him away until he's back. Geno Smith, honestly, 1% wasn't really that bad if you're in deeper leagues. I, I was pleasantly surprised with Geno Smith. Uh, Superflex, I'm going 15 to 20% on him. Jared Goff, not pretty, but top 20. Um, 15 to 20% if he's out there in Superflex. Jimmy G, I'm going to go 5 to 10% in Superflex just in case he's traded. If And if I have the room. Joe Flacco, go about up to 10% on him. Uh, he'll be the starter for now if he's out there. Basically, anybody who's a starting quarterback should be rostered in Superflex. That includes uh, the last guy on the list, but let me get to the guy before him first. Kenny Pickett, Mitchell Trubisky doesn't. He, he's not going to cut it. I think we see Pickett by week four, so I get out ahead of it right now in Superflex. And then finally, last guy on the list, and, and by the way, 5 to 10% on Kenny Pickett. I'm going 2 to 3% on Cooper Rush. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, he's going to be the starter, at least in the short term here, and again, all starting quarterbacks should be rostered, especially if you're in like a 12-teamer. So 1%. All right, hard pass players. These are players who you might, might be wondering, wait a minute, Jeff, but what about Taysom Hill? I'm not picking up Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's fantasy line looks awesome. You know what he did also? He ran four routes. Four. How many? Four. That's it. Jawan Johnson ran 28 routes. He's the top pass catching tight end on the roster. Hard pass on Taysom Hill. Hard pass on Rex Burkhead. Yeah, he had 19 touches. And if anybody who has uh, Damian Pierce, they could tell you that. But even with the volume, nothing. 70 scrimmage yards? I mean, this is borrowed time for... Uh, for Rex Burkhead. Kenyon Drake, no thanks. He did lead the backfield, uh, but hard pass on him because J.K. Dobbins is going to be back eventually, and that really muddies the water uh, for Kenyon Drake. Uh, Devin Duvernay, same team, hard pass. Uh, you're going to love the two touchdowns that he had, of course, but um, he only had four targets, and it's not a pass-heavy team. Uh, Greg Dortch, hard pass. Don't just sort by last week's fantasy points scored, and don't sort by projected points when you make your waiver claims. Always use a, a good waiver list, uh, like my rankings, for example. But Dorch, yes, nine targets. Uh, he caught seven of them for 63 yards, but he was filling in for Rondell Moore. O.J. Howard, the greatest tight end in week one history. Um, yeah, he scored two touchdowns. He ran six routes, 19 fewer than Brevin Jordan. So 
hard pass. All right, here's who, here's players who I'm holding. I'm not going to cut these guys. Cam Akers, I know you're pissed off, but give it a little bit of time. Let's see what happens over the first month of the season in that backfield. Matthew Stafford, I don't think it was the elbow. I think it was the fact he didn't play in preseason. He looked. He just looked rusty. Aaron Rodgers didn't play for most of the offseason. Looked like he didn't have a connection with those wideouts, but I'm going to give him some time. Relax, like he would say. Damian Pierce. <laughs> Just hold, please. You didn't draft him in the fifth round for this. Hold. Let, let, let's see what happens here. James Cook. I'm going to hold on to James Cook if I can because the Bills made it clear that they are going to give him time to ramp up. I think we should do the same thing. Ken Walker, He it looks like he's going to be on the field this week, so I'm definitely holding him. Ramondre Stevenson, it's Belichickery in that backfield, but I'm, go, I'm willing to see this out, and he is also one injury away from a much larger role. Kadarius Toney. Now, this one is a shorter lease. I will say that, but, I mean, he had no routes run. I ran as many routes for the Giants this weekend as he did, but I want to see what happens in the next couple weeks. I'm going to give him like two more weeks. Some of these guys are getting a little bit longer leash. Michael Gallup, I don't care about the uh, quarterback situation. I'm keeping Michael Gallup. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, another one of these rookie running backs who didn't dress, and that's because he's not going to play special teams. I still want to see what they do as this sifts and sorts itself out. Um, maybe we end up dropping. We'll give him a little bit of a shorter leash than obviously like Algier and, and certainly... Um, than Ty Davis Price. Uh, George Pickens, only three targets, but ran four or one fewer route than Deontay Johnson. 35 routes for Johnson, 34 for Pickens. Javante Smith, no catches. All right, whatever. He had four targets, ran more routes than A.J. Brown. Nico Collins uh, ran 31 routes, second most on the team, so I'm holding him. And then David Njoku actually had doubled the amount of snaps of Harrison Bryant. Bigger days are ahead for him. Here are players who I'm cutting. Now, Dak Prescott and Elijah Mitchell. If you have an IR spot, sure, you tuck him away on IR. Dak Prescott, though, even if he only misses four weeks, in a one-quarterback league, you can move on from him. In a two-quarterback league, it's a much tougher decision, but in a one-quarterback league, just move on from him and then figure it out from there, right? Um, Elijah Mitchell, two months is a long time to have a guy on your bench. If you don't have an IR spot, that's way too long. That's prime real estate. So moving on with him or from him. Mike Gesicki, he was barely used, and I just don't think he's a fit in Mike McDaniel's offense. I don't think there's much of a chance for anything here. Alec Pierce was overshadowed by Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, and even Ashton Doolin. I think I can say I've I've said enough, right? Sky Moore was fifth on the team in routes run and and that was like he was behind Justin Watson and Justin Watson got banged up in that game so I think we can move on from him for now Wandale Robinson banged up and the Giants wide receivers are a mess Sammy Watkins didn't take advantage of his opportunity Jalen Tolbert was a healthy scratch and not because he didn't play special teams to Ernest Johnson the only way this dude has value is if both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are hurt and we're not there right now, so you could move on from him. K.J. Hamler was on the field, which is encouraging. Uh, what was not encouraging? One catch on two targets for six yards. Kenny Galladay, uh, the wide receivers for the Giants, that's a mess. <laughs> so I'm moving on from him. Two catches for 22 yards, whoopity-doo. Darrell Williams, I just mentioned, had no offensive snaps played. 22 for Eno Benjamin. He gone. Uh, Zamir White, zero offensive snaps. 16 for Bolden, seven for Mir Abdullah. The only way Zamir White has value is if Josh Jacobs goes down. So if you if you're waiting on that, I don't know. I mean, sure, it could happen this week, or it could never happen. That's that's the the pitfall of having a guy like that. Mike Davis, the number three back this week. Yikes! 
and will be the number four back then when J.K. Dobbins is back. I, I don't even know if he sticks on the, on the roster, to be honest with you. Isaiah Likely. Um, well, four targets, but, man, you can do better at tight end. And then finally, Benny Snell, because Jalen Warren is the cuff. All right. Defensive streamers. This is the way to go, right? Because team defense, what are we looking for? We're looking for turnovers and particular we're looking for touchdowns right and the best way to get uh those those opportunities is to generate those takeaways through interceptions by picking on a bad quarterback sure you could try and bank on fumble recoveries good luck but the, the probably the most predictable thing i would say is the quarterback play so let's take advantage of it number one i have two words for you cooper rush that puts the cincinnati bengals in play and by the way these are defenses that are rostered uh in well, it would be under 70%. So they're available in over 30% of leagues. Um, so, yeah, Cincinnati Bengals are the top. Uh, Denver, they were a defense that I drafted in a bunch of leagues. They face Houston this week. Not a huge performance against the Seahawks, but honestly, man, Sertan is a baller, and I could see some takeaways in this one. Uh, the Steelers against New England. Mac Jones and company gave up the second most fantasy points in week one, so let's do it again. Uh, no TJ Watt there, but still that Steelers defense is still pretty good. How about the Rams this week? I didn't like them last week against Buffalo, but now Marcus Mariota. <sighs> Give me some of that. Cleveland. They get Joe Flacco in the Jets this week. Cleveland was a defense that a lot of Rat Packers out there drafted, so you're still good. Um, and by the way, if you have one of these, you don't need to move around. Like If you have Cleveland, you don't need to pick up the Bengals. If you have Denver, you don't need to pick up Cleveland or whatever. You don't need to move around. If you have one, I mean, because it's so up in the air that I just want a good shot in a good matchup, and all of these are good. Uh, New England. You get Mitchell Trubisky, and we're going to pick on Mitch while we still can. Carolina faces Daniel Jones. They give up five sacks in the opener. And then finally, Washington Commanders. Uh, the Lions were one of just three teams to allow defense special teams touchdown in week one. That was a pick six from James Bradbury. So we're going to attack that one as well. Again, if you want this full list, I write it up every week at ftnfantasy.com, my waiver wire rankings article. So go check that out. Promo code RATPACK for 20% off. Uh, keep following along on Twitter. I see you guys there at Jeff Ratcliffe. And remember, subscribe to the other podcast. That way you don't skip a beat. The FTN Fantasy Football Podcast. It's really simple. Go subscribe to that. You'll see it on Wednesdays and Fridays. You'll see this podcast on Tuesdays. I know it's silly. <laughs> But there's a reason why it's silly. So it is what it is. Uh, but you get three pods a week out of me. So there you go. All right. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh, attack those waivers tonight. And I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe. And I'm out.